Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. And I'm Ricard Foyer. Wow, your ears do not deceive you. This is Ricard Foyer on an American Survivor recap. Of course, Ricard is my fantastic co-host covering Australian Survivor. But for the first time, it's been years of Ricard begging. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) he's finally here to recap American Survivor. And what an episode. First of all, Ricard... What are you thinking about Survivor 44 in general? Um, overall, I really enjoy the season. I try not to get too hung up on the order in which people are voted out because there's there's always a reason for somebody being voted out. And um, I, I don't know. I There's just so much behind the scenes shit that you don't see and so many more reasonings that they just can't show because they're trying to create a narrative that makes sense to the audience with such limited time, which won't be a problem soon with 90 minute episodes. Mm-hmm. But um, no, it's a really good season. And I find myself really, uh, what's the word? I, I just, I love these characters so damn much. And I love the tribes so much. I'm someone, even though I am a super fan, I'm not like you, Sean, where I can just, you know, say a tribe name from Survivor's yeah. past. I think I will always know this si- this season as having like the Tika three, you know, yeah. like they will stand out to me as almost its own character, this trio. And I think that just makes it a really special season for somebody who doesn't get into the memorization of names and tribes and all that shit. They're just this is a solid cast. Yeah, I totally agree. I was thinking about this during this episode that the Tika three are really defining the season of season 44 of Survivor. And that's so important because you think about iconic seasons and what you love about those seasons. And yeah, there's lots of elements that go into great seasons. But one of those is having an alliance or a group of people that you can really, really root for. You think of the Black Widow Brigade, which I know is, it's like an overused example, but it's true. Like that is why Micronesia is iconic. You think about token sheens and yes, we had coach and the drama of all of his antics, yeah. but really what held that season together was that alliance of JT and Steven and Taj. Like that was so important. Yeah. Uh, you had the two opposing alliances in Gabon um, and you could, well, you could root for one of them. You, the other, I don't know why anybody would root for them, but <laughs> the onion alliance, yeah. um, but you know, onions do stink at the end of the day. So it's great. <laughs> I, I feel like that is a really key ingredient and this whole, it's not even a new era thing. It's a survivor new school thing of voting blocks and trust clusters and constantly <laughs> moving pieces uh, that it. I find when you think back to some of the modern seasons, it's hard to really grasp onto things. You can grasp onto the winner. You can grasp onto characters that you liked or one big move. But when you've actually got an alliance, that story sticks with you. And the story of the Tika 3, I think, will stick with us no matter how it ends for them. If they do indeed turn on each other next episode, as the previews want us to believe every week, um, I think at this point it is solidified. I mean, next episode is the second last episode. So the season is virtually done at this point. I think we've got a strong final six and mm-hmm. we've got the Tika three intact. Like that's incredible. And I think it's so important for storytelling. I get that it, that's not going to be the case in everybody's game that you're going to stick with your alliance the entire time. But I think that's one of the things that's making this season very special. I just, yeah, I was trying to think in the new school, new era who are some alliances that are as strong as Tony and Wu or whatever, you know, or uh, not Tony and Wu, but cops are us. Hmm. And I think the closest I can get is Mike and Jonathan from season 42. They were tight until the very end. And other than that, there's really not a lot. Everybody turns on each other at some point. Uh, It's kind of a bummer. I actually think there could have been, a pretty well-documented foursome in my season with me, Erica, Heather, and Xander. The four of us were best friends. We were tight. We were close. We had a 
goal and mission to make it to the final four and we made it to the final five and that's really exceptional but you would never know that the four of us were that close because of the storytelling um so i'm wondering how many other amazing duos or alliances do exist that people don't even fucking know about you would never even know i was friends with xander based on the edit and he was my actual closest person for more than half the game it's just kind of wild but yeah i the tika three i really hope they fucking take it home i can't believe it but I hope they take it home. And I really fucking hope Carolyn wins. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with her. I'm obsessed with her. Yeah, She's this so was really the Carolyn Weiger hour, which she sort of faded a little bit into the background post-merge. I mean, she was always there with the Tika 3, but I mean, some of her antics have not been front and center, and well, they made up for it with this episode because there's so, so much. And so I want to just dive into it because I really loved this episode. I thought this was a great episode of Survivor and just another great episode for Survivor 44. We have to talk about Carolyn blowing up after Tribal Council because I just thought there was so much great content in here because it's real, it's honest. You see this, that's what makes the stories of alliances so great is that they can have their arguments and it doesn't mean they have to go their separate ways. They have to work it out. And this alliance isn't perfect. It's messy. And here's a great example where Carolyn was left out of the vote or they didn't go the way that Carolyn wanted. You see her, you saw her last episode trying to pull together the vote at the last minute um, against, who was she trying to get them to vote against? Danny? Heidi? Uh, shit, I don't know. I, don't I can't remember, remember but <laughs> she was trying to uh, sway Carson right before tribal council. And he was kind of like, I don't love this Danny. last minute change. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so here she is having to face them and she's uh, screaming at them to the point where the other four are kind of being like, oh my God, like Carolyn, chill. And uh, I just loved it because there were so many great exchanges. Like, Jam Jam saying, you did this to me. And Carolyn saying, that was one time. And Jam saying, this is one time. And Carolyn saying, but it's now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just great stuff. And she has such a fucking, sorry, I keep swearing. She has such an awareness about herself and knowing, like, I know that this is going to pass. I know I just, but I need to say it. I need to get it out of my system or I'm going to explode. And then we can move on and be friends again and... She knows what she's doing, but she has to be authentic to herself. There are so many times out there that I was like, I want to fucking scream, but I'm not going to. And then I think that was detrimental to my mental health out there because I was just losing my mind. I was so frustrated. I, I hope that this is actually helping her progress her game by having it off her chest and not thinking about it again. It seems to be that way. Mm. And I kind of wonder whether there's something to that that, lowers her threat level in the game that people mm -hmm. see her as a little bit more emotional and therefore less strategic because when somebody's just stoic all the time the assumption is oh they are plotting they're scheming yes. i can't trust them i can't read them etc where carolyn's just an open book and yet people are underestimating her as mm -hmm. a result which is interesting yes okay well they do make up the next morning and they decide, okay, we have to make sure that Danny knows that Heidi cast the one vote for him. That's yes. what we need to do. And so Jam Jam's like, I'll do it. Jam Jam goes and talks to Danny. Danny's like, once again, great story. Don't believe the story. This is the second time, at least yeah. the second time, that Danny has not believed and made a big deal about not believing a story that is dead ass true. The first yeah. time. What being, was it? Jamie the idol? That's right. That Jamie yeah. said told everybody that her idol went home in Kane's pocket and nobody uh -huh. believed her. So Danny, I don't know. On one hand, we've got Carolyn who's reading Danny like a book and uh -huh. we've got Danny who can't read any situation whatsoever. <laughs> Carolyn is fucking badass. Like even that I not to jump ahead, but her specifically going up to Danny, spinning a whole story of being able to take out Carson just to read his reaction. And then she's like, yeah, I know what's up. Walks away. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was brilliant. I really loved it. And then this other Carolyn moment, which I think is truly like in the Hall of Fame of Survivor iconic moments, mm. is the lobster. <laughs> and I have to say, like this, I think is coming out of sequence because she was famously wearing the... What I don't know. So she, so they found the lobster, and her and Lauren had the little 
fight over who was going to get the lobster. Carolyn won out. She's talking about making a hairpiece with the lobster body. Then in confessional, she says, oh, and Jam Jam found this for me, which is the which is the long leg that she put on her finger. Uh-huh. I don't think that's a lobster leg because she said Jam Jam found this, which is like just something else, right? Like it could be a crab leg, I was thinking. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that she was wearing in her hair in the last episode while they were talking strategy before tribal. I, You know, I mean, she could just be now acknowledging to the audience, you know, mm. of like... I, I just found this thing and it kind of yeah. goes with this thing that I yeah, already yeah, yeah. had. Yes. I yeah. think you're right. I think you're yeah. right. Because we saw the whole tribe was there. It was like after their little uh, kumbaya meditation session. Crying. 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 <laughs> the vibes were vibrating in that circle. <laughs> Jamie really like put them all in an emotional chokehold. She, that was you know, wild. She's great. And we're getting a lot of point of view of Jamie. I, I know we're not getting a lot of screen time. And it's I think that is purely because she is not part of the Tika 3. And has nothing to do with her potential journey to the end. Or her potential to win the season. It's just she doesn't have the, she doesn't have the big alliance. You know, that's yeah. really going to make the season. But we get a lot of Jamie point of view. There lot. is. There is. Um, but returning back to the lobster, because I have more to say about this. It was <laughs> yes. so iconic because the lobster really came to nothing. Like, yeah, she wanted to make a little hairpiece, but like it wasn't going to work. But the finger accessory was all time great survivor <laughs> moment for me because she's pointing with it. She's scratching her face with it. We know she was putting in her hair our last episode. Like the mileage we're going to get and just the way that she was talking about it was so... <laughs> honest and like vulnerable that she's like when am i ever gonna see something i'm never gonna see something like this again i mean she could just walk down the seafood aisle at any grocery <laughs> store but she just loved that thing so much and embraced it so much and she like it was very much between the lobster and the whatever it was crab leg that she was wearing on her finger it was giving like chromatica it was giving lady gaga <laughs> i mean you know there's the visuals of her wearing like the bug bug head piece that was the lobster mm -hmm. and then yeah. famously she has the finger extensions that she performed yes. the chromatica ball in that mm -hmm. was the crab like like everybody else everybody is playing survivor in fiji and carolyn is playing survivor in chromatica <laughs> and for that she will always be iconic Oh, and her facial expressions. I I just can't get enough of her facial expressions. When Danny's talking and she's like, she fucking hates Danny, it, sound, it seems. <laughs> she hates that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. It's like so refreshing to see somebody like this too, because not only is she such a sort of wacky old school middle school type of casting choice mm -hmm. but she's so endearing there's nothing to dislike about her and there are th th sometimes cast members who are kind of quirky at the beginning and you they really starts to grade on you towards the end but like it yeah. just keeps getting better in the words it of does. Christina Aguilera it keeps getting better for <laughs> Carolyn it's wild like I love Carolyn I love her Oh, I wonder if it's going to influence the future of casting with them being like, you know what? Let's just cast some wild, wild people for chaos now. Well, I hope they do because this history repeats itself. And this happened with Coach. Like I always say that Coach was the prototype for the Russell. I think in, in like a lot of ways in that Coach was like a very unique person, hogged a lot of screen time unique confessionalist just total wackadoo person and then you know next season you get russell and then they fall in love with that and then through the 20s you kind of get like the philip shepherd types and like the the hans family extensions and mm -hmm. and the tarzans and like i really think they went for that for a while and then sort of fell out of it in the 30s and so yeah. I think you kind of need that on Survivor. I think it makes things really interesting, whether it's somebody like Carolyn that people like or somebody like Coach that people don't like. Or a uh, Debbie. it matters. <laughs> yeah, so Debbie's, I guess, a rare outlier in the 30s. Although I would say that, like, 
As I don't think they casted her thinking exactly. she was going to be that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I don't know that that comes out in casting. Sure, you'd be like, oh, yeah, she's like really full of herself. But like, I don't think that you would get that that Debbie's like a, a totally, a total nut job until she's on the island. And I'm pissed. <laughs> this is one of my all-time least favorite Survivor confessionals. I loathe that Because it sounds fake. It's like fake her facial expression hell. is completely fake. It is fake. Fake, 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 fake. <laughs> that was the perfect example of somebody like ha- having a character that emerges in their own season naturally and then returns and plays that character up. I think about yes. like, this is going to mean nothing to virtually anybody, but on Big Brother UK, one of the most iconic house guests of all time was Nikki Graham, the late, great Nikki Graham, who tragically passed a couple of years ago. And she... uh was very much like a Carolyn type, wild personality, unpredictable, just a totally unique person and so lovable. She gets voted out. She finds out that people love that about her. Then she gets put back in the house in a twist and she acts, 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 and it's a big Mm. turnoff. And so where she left the house the first time to tremendous applause, when she left the second time, there were boos. Yeah. Because people saw right <laughs> through it. So that to me is what happened to Debbie. Anyways, that and that she's like a fucking psychotic Trump mega. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she believes the Clinton Foundation is trafficking children through a pizza place, like the whole thing. Just look at her Twitter. Okay. Besides that, Don't. let's get <laughs> to the immunity challenge because they're playing an iconic challenge. It's last gasp. And I have to say, are you upset that you didn't get to play Last Gasp in 41? <laughs> Not one bit. Oh my gosh. Like the psychologically, I think it would really mess with me and I would probably leave before the water even got up to that level. I'm proud of anybody for even sticking it out to when the water starts to raise. Like Lauren was first out, I think a little prematurely to what she probably could have done, mm-hmm. but I would have been gone way before that. No, mm. it, absolutely terrified. What wild? What's wild to me is all the people that wrap their legs. I'm like, oh, that would mess with my mind even more, knowing how many steps it would take to get out of there when mm. you do start to panic. I don't know how they do it, but I know that would also be a detriment to the game because now you're just like flipping your legs and you're trying to keep yourself steady. I, I don't know. I, Sorry, to answer your question, not one damn bit am I sad about this. I am intrigued that because they film back-to-back 43-44, these 44 people potentially are thinking they're their first iteration of New Survivor to do this since old school. They didn't know about 43. Mm. They didn't know about it being broken by Carla and Owen, you know? So that's kind of fun. I wonder if they wondered if another season had done it or if they were the first. I have to say I famously uh, met Carla this week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Me and Carla went for drinks with uh, Carla's wife, Lisa, and uh, Carla was lovely. We talked all about the infamous vote, (laughs) the infamous final tribal vote. Um, And I think, you know what, like... I think we're aligned. It's not my place to like say what Carla said, but like I will say for me, the more I've thought about it, it's not that I'm glad Gabe, <laughs> it's not that I'm glad that Gabler won, but like it truly was um, in a lot of ways a lose, lose, lose situation for me because speaking of last, ga- last gasp, I have to point out that we talked about last gasp on the Australian Survivor uh, heroes v villains recaps because yes. they played that challenge and one of the finalists of survivor 43 had a lot to say about that on uh, <laughs> on twitter because she was watching and that was of course cassidy uh a self-proclaimed icon of survivor she <laughs> she had a lot of advice for folks on how to win last last gasp despite the fact that she didn't win and (laughs) and what she said was she took a screenshot of the australian survivor contestants um creating the snorkel with their hands and said just so everybody knows this is not how you win it doesn't actually work and like first of all how do you know you lost and second of all (laughs) because it didn't work for her (laughs) second of all jam jam won and guess what he was doing 
Was creating maybe a the snorkel. snorkel? <laughs> <laughs> so, Cassidy, you're 0 for 2. Uh, so, <laughs> 0 for 3 if we count the final vote. Um, anyways, well, she's fine. She's so, she's playing the Challenge USA right now. I know it. Do you wish you were playing the Challenge USA? Um, I said no to them, so no. <laughs> no yeah well it's a yeah classically terrible game Um, (laughs) i think it was tyson said that he would uh, never recommend that anybody play it so yeah well i love jam Jam jam's win i loved his win in last gasp it was like uh i I don't get emotional often at challenges but i thought that this was nice I certainly yeah. don't worry. I didn't cry. I don't like. I cried yourself. I know you did. You know, it, it's not that he won that made <laughs> me cry. It's seeing everybody legitimately cheer for him in such a. I mean, they were applauding him mm. and so happy for him. And when he started talking about his brother and his parents both being like, or all being physical people, athletic people, and him just. Not even starting to get self-deprecating, but just saying how proud they're going to be of him. It was it. it I definitely was shedding a few tears on the side of I five while I was watching this. <laughs> I had to stop. I had to. I was driving to the airport. I had to. I'm in New Orleans right now. I had to fly until six thirty this morning through the night. And on my drive over, I was like, "Shit, I have to record. I need to watch the episode." So I pulled over on the freeway to watch it. The things Ricard does for drop your buffs are totally unparalleled. <laughs> it's wild. You're I think welcome. all the all the buffies should give him uh, <laughs> the buffies should give him props. So this is a thing that's happened. Is oh, that I saw. Uh, one one of our wonderful patrons uh, posed the question, "What are drop your buffs listeners called?" And so I put up a poll well not a poll but i I asked for submissions from people and we got a lot of buffies and it never even occurred to me it never even occurred to me but it's literally perfect because of course evan ross katz is the preeminent scholar on all things buffy the vampire slayer we are Mm -hmm. drop your buffs like it just makes sense so all the buffies appreciate your hard work ricardo i am buff yeah it works yeah yeah you have a yeah. buff. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they want Carson gone. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Lauren for one second because she draw- mm. she has like a wild moment during the challenge where she is like, Jeff, stop talking to me. I'm like, I can't focus. And she kind of like, she doesn't have a panic attack or anything like that, but she's just like clearly uncomfortable in yeah. this challenge. And I felt like that was... Uh, it was like a impactful moment, but I feel like it could have been much more impactful if we knew anything about Lauren. And I thought it was really interesting that in the meditation or whatever scene it was like that, that Jamie led yoga semicircle thing that they were doing Mm -hmm. that everybody got sort of like a little bit of an opportunity to talk about what they're grateful for or what their experience has been. And Lauren was just, Lawrence was just, thank you guys for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the deleted scene for this week on Entertainment Weekly, we actually do get Lauren's story. And I feel like Lauren is so weirdly under-edited this season. Um, mm. Like the, the final seven here and, and the final six remaining are all really, really strong. And I feel like Lauren's in an interesting position but for some reason, we know nothing about her. And I find that really odd. Yeah. And even I the guess, content we yeah. did get last week, I think it was last week, where we had her backstory about, you know, her family underestimating her and her proving to her family that she is worthy and that she can do things and she can be a single parent and she doesn't have to live on wealth, welfare. I know that's a lot of little facts that I was able to recall about her. But still, we're not getting like, why does your own family underestimate you? Like, what is the emotional? Like, yeah, we know nothing. We yeah. don't know shit. <laughs> and it's wild. And it's disappointing because particularly in this episode where Lauren and Jamie vote with Tika for reasons I don't understand at this current time. So confused. Uh, it would be nice to have a better sense of 
what they are perceiving their place in the game as being because we yeah we're getting jamie pov and i think i can sort of understand where she's coming from but lauren i just like as the as you know these two women who are the last remaining ratus it's just like i don't i don't i don't know i don't know what they're thinking and particularly lauren i really don't know what she's thinking yeah and so i felt like what was a good moment could have been a really great moment had they just in that previous scene seated a little bit more about her but yeah that is what it is it's unfortunate i mean and i really enjoy heidi for the most part uh but us seeing her you know doing deadlifts and working out and standing on a bridge in pittsburgh i don't think was beneficial to the episode in any way because at least in this episode we're not getting her reaction to a third time in a row getting votes. That could have been saved for the next episode, the very beginning, her backstory, and like three times in a row I'm getting votes, blah, blah, blah. It, it just, none of it really fit, and I really wish I understood why Jamie and Lauren voted the way they did. I really yeah. did. They showed the little tiny blip, but it still doesn't add up to the overall arcing story of like, you're going to let these three people stay in power? when Danny is willing to work with you, I just, I'm not, it's not adding up. I have to really wonder what Heidi's game is going to turn out to be because yeah, we get these little seeds and like Heidi has really emerged in the post merge and we're seeing her do these things in a, in a backstory that are like sort of reminiscent of Xander's backstory. Like I work out and, uh, I have to say, I did have to rewind it several times because I thought when she was hanging off, you're calling it a bridge. Do you know where she was? Yeah. Yeah. Where was it? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Heidi. Of course it was Pittsburgh. I was like, is it Seattle? Like there's a little bit of a mountain in the background. Uh, Because at first I thought she was in Toronto. I thought she was at the Skywalk at the CN Tower because it's the same outfits and the same. Okay. Wait, pause. Okay. So you're talking about when she was hanging over the edge, a specific photo. Yeah. I, I was talking about when she's just standing wearing this like coat oh, on a bridge. Oh, yeah, I know the one. She, yeah, the yeah she's photo. in Pittsburgh. Oh, I don't know where she was in that. No, I don't. I almost thought like, so I rewound it because it's literally the exact same ensemble they put you in at the CN Tower. Mm-hmm. And it's called the Skywalk and it's the whole thing. You like lean off. It's all the same. Did Marianne like, do that after her yeah, win? Yeah, she did. Yeah, Marianne yeah. did that. Um, and I thought that's wild that Heidi it has a Toronto photo rewound it it's not toronto it's like i don't know any of these buildings and also the island is all wrong mm-hmm. but then i was like well where is this so i thought i thought maybe that's seattle space needle do you think they have we don't have that no wow i wonder where it could be we'll have to ask heidi i'm but actually surprised I, the space needle doesn't do that but no we don't yeah hey there's a million dollar idea let's let's approach <laughs> the space needle maybe it's because it's rotating they can't do it the top of the space needle rotates. Oh, I don't know. The top of the CN Tower rotates. Oh, yeah. Oh. But you didn't know that. I I didn't even know what it was called until last week, girl. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what what was called. That tower. The CN Tower. Yeah. Had no idea. <laughs> yeah, when you were like, oh yeah, Carla's I, at the CN Tower. What I was like, what? What are you talking? What are you? What are you speaking of? <laughs> you are wild. I mean, there's one of those in Vegas, too. You've been to Toronto twice. You have been to Toronto twice. But, okay, there's the tower. There's a similar tower in Vegas. Do you know what that's called? No. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but the CN Tower for a long time was the tallest building in the entire world. Didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I guess this must be like a part of Canadian heritage that they don't teach elsewhere. They don't teach us anything about y'all except you're evil. They don't even teach anything about y'all about y'all. Why Why do you think it is that so many U.S. Americans can't point to America on a map? <laughs> because they don't have maps in Africa and South Iraqi <laughs> nations. And other places like such as. <laughs> I'm glad you picked up on that. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're best friends. <laughs> okay, so Jam Jam has immunity and... <laughs> I just realized I completely forgot to finish my thought about Heidi, which is that I just <laughs> I just think that 
they're like planting these little seeds about, yeah, I still have my idol. I'm figuring out how I'm going to get to the end. I voted against Danny. She lies to Danny. Danny believes her lies as Danny is tends to do believes, but disbelieves truths, believes lies. And like, I still feel like she's playing a really strong game, but I, I don't know where it's going. Like, do I we think see I know where final, it's going. do we see final three, final four for Heidi? I actually do see final three and I specifically see it because of her idol. I actually was thinking the exact same thing about Xander yesterday. I truly was when watching the episode of Xander's idol didn't matter because we weren't going to vote for him to win. I love you Xander so much, but like I've told him this, I was. Don't so worry. He's people. not listening. <laughs> but like you know it, it didn't matter that he was going to be in the end or the final four like he wasn't going to win in our and a few of our minds right and his idol meant nothing carolyn's idol means something or could have potentially meant something heidi's does not and the amount of flashes that we're getting of carson with fire reflecting in his glasses i think it's going to be a story of you know, the Tika three are going to be in the final three. Heidi's going to get to the final four unexpectedly because of an idol instead of Jamie or a Lauren or whatever. And Heidi's going to beat Carson's ass in fire. Like, why do they keep showing the fire when there's not even a fire in front of him in its glasses? I like they do this shit. They did the same thing with Deshaun in episode two or three of my season. I that's just my assumption on it. Um, and I think she's going to make it to the final three over one of the Tika three because of fire. I do really like that read, that close read of the edit and the foreshadowing of Fire and Carson. I do have to wonder, though, if (laughs) Survivor's like that attuned that they're doing these kinds of things because they couldn't even give Erica an edit. So, like, I, I, I do... I, I really li- I really like that and if it happens like gagged um, <laughs> but I'm I'm I have to be cautiously optimistic about it yeah she's had votes on her three times mm-hmm. and we've barely heard about the damn idol and she hasn't played it like it just it clearly doesn't matter to the story and so I just feel like it's going to be a piece that gets her to the final four just like it did for Xander he's going to be like I don't even need to play this like and she can play the idol at five, yeah? Five to get to four, yes. Right. I was surprised to hear them say that this was the last opportunity to play Shot in the Dark. Final seven? Uh, yeah. Listen, the amount... Oh, it made no sense. I continue to be confused that everything else works except for the Shot in the Dark. Further, like it just, I, I don't understand that. Has it but always yeah. been seven? Yes. That's wild. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Because I think that's even, I think the shot in the dark could actually be a huge, really wild twist to the game if they upped the ante. Like, if you keep it to this point, you have an even better chance of being safe if you play the shot in the dark. But your vote means so much more in the final six, final five. I, I mean, I truly, I don't understand the logic behind it. They obviously have some kind of logic, but I think it could be so much more exciting. And Plus there's just wait. something about having a final six and it's a one in six shot at the shot in the dark that like mm-hmm. technically everybody could play it. I guess one person has immunity. I wonder if that's why. But who cares? Because I mean, like, even are they at worried this point, that at final six, everybody, everybody except the person with immunity plays their shot in the dark? It's, but it shouldn't wouldn't matter. That, wouldn't they love that? There would be one vote. One person yeah. sends somebody home. That would be and like, it shouldn't matter. It truly should not matter that there are more opportunities for a vote or for a safe or not safe in the pile than players because that's how it is once you hit the merge they they switch it to 12 i think it's 12 Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that doesn't dwindle down as they vote out people it's still the same amount of scrolls in the bag so it doesn't matter if they're at six and there are seven scrolls in there or whatever or five and there are still six scrolls it should not matter to the game let's just get rid of it (laughs) how about that I was so stressed about it. Not. I mean, the fact that they brought it up, I was like, "Well, somebody's playing their shot tonight." Mm -hmm. Weird. Yeah, because they didn't bring. They like did not bring it up in season forty-two at all, did they? (laughs) Uh, I thought they like cut it out of the season in forty-two or forty-three. 
one of the seasons I felt like they actually had basically cut it out because they didn't even talk about it. I think it, yeah, I think it was 43. I think they mentioned it like maybe once or twice, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> it's a good thing we're experts here. Very. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't, I couldn't watch 42 the same way. It was like way too soon. It was way too mm. like triggering. I genuinely struggled watching 42. It was too much. Yeah, I struggled watching it too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you ain't shit. Okay, let's talk about the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, because there's some interesting strategy going on here. Of, we have Carson, who is the Survivor super fan, sort of like breaking down why this is a p- pivotal vote, especially with the Tika 3 being a title alliance that they're, they're still outnumbered. And if they can just make it through this vote, they're in a far better position. And so that's great. We've got the other four standing around talking about the same thing that now, where we started with this war between Soka and Ratu, and Tika was kind of in the middle because they didn't really like see any sort of threat associated with Tika. Now they're at this point where it's now two Soka, two Ratu, and three, sorry, did I say two Soka, two Ratu? Yeah, and three Tika. Mm-hmm. And now Tika suddenly has the power and everybody's like realizing that. And this is their last chance to cleanly vote one of them out. And they mm-hmm. decide out of nowhere that it's Carson because earlier in the episode, they said it has to be Jam Jam. And of course, Jam Jam gets immunity, but they said it has to be Jam Jam or Carolyn. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, after the immunity challenge, they're like, well, it's time to get Carson out. He's such a big threat. Yeah. That didn't make sense. Not at but- all. It was the, I think it was the better move for everybody to like target Carson. I was just surprised they didn't bring it up earlier in the episode when they were talking about who to target. Mm -hmm. And so this is really tricky because they come up with this plan that Danny's going to tell Tika that it's a vote split between Lauren and Jamie. Not a bad plan, not the best execution, Mm -hmm. because Carolyn, not only is (laughs) Carolyn. Not only is Carolyn like Lady Gaga in that she is fashioning herself as the queen of Chromatica, she is also like Lady Gaga because do you remember when Lady Gaga performed at the inauguration and she tweeted that she was investigating the Capitol for signs of the insurrection? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, Carolyn is going to investigate this lie because she specifically asked Danny. This is so stupid. She specifically asked Danny, like, so is that the real plan or the fake plan? Uh And she's like, I'm going to investigate. I'm about to investigate. She is putting her detective Pikachu hat on. She's ready (laughs) to get to the bottom of it. And she does. Like, the intuition that she has... Or Danny's inability to lie. I don't know. I mean, like, it didn't seem like a bad lie to me. But I mean, no. when you're talking to somebody that you know, you can tell a lot better. Yeah. Uh, but she just immediately knows. And not only does she know it's a lie, she knows they're going for Carson. Yeah. Are we? Did we miss a piece of the puzzle here? I don't know. Because something is happening here. Somebody must have slipped up. I bet it was Heidi's ass. Somebody must have slipped up in some way. <laughs> for her to pick up on Carson because Carson didn't know it was Carson and Carson seems pretty aware Mm -hmm. of what's going on. He was just like, my name's being thrown out and Carolyn told me this. It's like, what? What? And I have a lot of faith in Carolyn's gameplay, but it's wild for her to be the only one to pick up on something. Yeah. Somebody must have slipped up. Someone. And we're just now. Someone or she overheard something. I mean, it might have been Jamie and Lauren, you know, like trying to get a read on the votes. One of them slips up. Carolyn's like, oh, oh, it's going to be Carson. And maybe because of Carolyn's journey to the end of the game, if she does make it there, maybe this is the way of showing that she has more intuition rather than somebody else's slip up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wait, something just came to me. Okay. Because, of course, Jamie and Lauren end up voting with the Tika 3. Yeah. So what if they told Carolyn, Danny wants us to vote for Carson? Oh, what if yeah. they were always in with the Tika 3? Maybe, yeah. And Maybe so she was it. actually just like seeing if it was true, yeah. the info she was being given, as opposed yeah. to speculating it. Yeah. 
because well, the whole sense. yeah the the whole drama of this episode sort of like hinges on us not knowing that Lauren and that Lauren and Jamie are going to vote with the Tika three, and so they yes. have to eliminate some of that plotting with between them and the Tikas. That makes so much sense. And it's the simplest thing, but that makes yeah. the most sense. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I thought, like, yeah, Carolyn was performing spells, like having a seance, <laughs> speaking to the higher powers, like going, talking to the lobsters. <laughs> she went in the water to talk the to those lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, Gosh, that's I, that's probably what happened. Yeah, Can no we way. talk about the Lauren and Jamie decision? Because I just don't know what to make of it. And it's just remarkable that they end up siding with the Tikas and voting Danny out. They, I mean, they they move forward with it's Carson who we see uh, pitched to them. Hey, let's do this vote split between Danny and Heidi, because, of course, they're worried that one of the two of them has an idol. And so you think. Well, that doesn't make sense for Jamie and Lauren, and yet they do end up going through with that vote split. So, like, well, okay, why so they made a point of leaving in one line, and I believe it was Lauren who said it: "Of I trust Carson a lot more than I trust Danny." Hmm. So, and and you know, I was thinking about this earlier. This whole idea that Carson was saying of, "Oh, we're going to have the numbers if we make it to final six. No, you're going to have a tie." Like, it's 3-3. Three, three. Hmm. Like, it's not the numbers. It's only the numbers if you can get one of the Ratu or one of the whatever the fuck they're called over on your side. But it's it's really still just a tie. And I think they understand that. And it doesn't really... How do I phrase this? I personally would rather get rid of somebody that I don't trust who potentially has an idol. They don't know about Heidi. They know Heidi can't like voted for Danny. Like she's untrustworthy. They're seeing a lot of reasons to not trust those two. And I would rather go with the three people I do trust and hope that I can convince them to turn on each other because they all have a similar storyline, a similar story to get here, as opposed to getting rid of one of these people I genuinely trust and then having Danny and Heidi who lie to each other and potentially have idols. I, I would I would totally be in the same boat of voting out Danny. I really do believe that. Yeah, and I think that I also... I say, yeah, I don't know if I like fully agree, but <laughs> I, I do think also there is uh, there is something that the four non-Tikas are reading into the Tika dynamic. And it's probably because of their very like op- will open willingness to bicker and, you know, seeing Carolyn blow up, they might be like, well they're not going to like want to keep Carolyn around or Carolyn and Carson aren't going to want to keep Jam Jam around. They're seeing Jam Jam as a huge jury threat. And so they probably think, oh, it'll be easy to get one of them to flip. I mean, especially looking at sort of the track record of modern Survivor, so unlikely that the Tika 3 would all go to the end together because they have such similar stories and they probably, you know, there's reasons for each of them to see the others as threats. And so they probably imagine that they would want to bring them or at least one of them to the end. So I could see it from that perspective. But on the other hand, it was just so easy to vote out Carson. Like it I was know. so easy for them. And I feel like they had a lot more options to get to the end with Danny and Heidi. I mean, I... I literally, I, I lived a, almost this experience. Like, I lived this. I voted out my closest ally and kept four people of an original tribe in the game together. I kept Erica, mm. Heather, Danny, Deshaun, all Luvus in the game and voted out my closest person because in that moment, I was like, well, Luvu is cracked. And Deshaun has a problem with Erica and Heather. And there were so many things that you're kind of witnessing, but you're not seeing the behind the scenes where Deshaun was actually really close with Erica and Heather. I I couldn't see that. I could Mm. not see that. And it's not any fault of mine. They were hiding it. They were fighting purposely in public 
to get me off the scent. They're now seeing Carolyn fighting with her closest people. You think they're going to be able to split up. Okay, let me focus on the bigger threat here. I did that. I focused on the bigger threat, not knowing that they were actually closer than I could have ever anticipated, and they made it further than me. So I, 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 can, I fully can see. I know Carson was the better choice, it seems, but I fully can understand them making this choice. Because I did yeah. that. I literally did it. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing a lot of criticism for Lauren and Jamie. And while I think on paper it is a bad move that they made, I can see from their perspective in the game with the limited point of view they have on the game that it would make sense to them at this time. Like, yeah. I, I really can see that for them for all the reasons you just described. Um, because they don't have all the information we have. And the information we do have, I mean, we just saw them, you know, the morning before witnessing or the night before, whatever, after tribal council, this screaming fight between Carolyn and Carson and Jam Jam. So like, that's what they're basing things on. Right. Yeah. And and they weren't even meant to be privy to that conversation. It's just that Carolyn is loud and wears her emotions on her sleeve that they knew that 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 was the case. And so yeah. I would imagine they would think it would be quite easy to take advantage of that. Yeah. Interesting. But then at Tribal Council, I have to ask, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, but why did Carolyn originally write Lauren's name down and then cross it out and write Danny's name down? Okay, maybe I didn't have my glasses on. I thought she wrote down Carson's name and crossed it out. No, she wrote down Lauren's name. I swear it said Carson. Guaranteed. And I was so confused all (laughs) night long. Like, what the fuck? okay huh that's funny i I didn't see that i like i don't know if i i'm not the best at sort of like gaming out many voting scenarios in my head but like is that a safety net option in case somebody like in case danny or heidi played an idol but even then i mean it could have been that if they didn't trust that heidi because what if danny and heidi did have idols and then both of them had idols. And then now it's just going to be, and she knows she's playing an idol for Carson. So then it's yeah. only between, she would go home, right? Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she go home? Well, no, but she'd have the potential of going home. Yeah. Her, Lauren, and Jamie would be the three eligible to go home from a revote, and they would totally vote out Carolyn over those two. So. Or, maybe, yeah, and, and it could be shot, if we, maybe because it was the final night to play Shot in the Dark, and mm-hmm. they thought, okay, well, like, let's say Danny has an idol, because I don't think they think Heidi has an idol. Let's say Danny has an idol. Heidi plays her shot in the dark. She's safe. I could see then that. Then what? Yeah. I could see that. Um, and I, going back to uh, Jamie and Lauren and the idea of getting out Lauren, I, 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 how easy would it be for the, Jamie and Lauren are seeing that they are able to split up from Danny and Heidi and go with the Tika folks. And if they vote out Danny instead of one of the Tika, they have the power to go with the Tika votes. And, like, Tika doesn't get to just choose which of the two tribes mm-hmm. to pick from. They're mm-hmm. the majority, so they make the most sense. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, there's just a lot there. Yeah. Carolyn did play her idol for Carson. I really loved the scene where Carolyn tells Carson. It's the first person she tells that she found yeah. this idol ages ago. Carson's reaction is just so funny. Carson is <laughs> perpetually that picture of prince george uh, where he's like on the helicopter and he's doing like a little gay face Um, yeah it was the exact same face yet again and i really loved that and uh it was just like a great moment between the two of them and that she was like willing to play her idol for him do you see this kind of idol play as a wasted idol play no i don't i think tell me why i think she um proved to the jury that she was sticking with her alliance that she was willing to do this for a friend uh she played smart and not trusting these people outside of their alliance that something could have been turned on her and what if what if lauren and um jamie had totally turned on them and not gone with the plan of heidi or whatever it was and then carson goes home it it would be very easy for carson to have gone home very very easy and I think she just didn't take a chance and not taking like the whole people should not be penalized for going above and beyond to not be at risk. 
if yeah. if we were playing a game where being something working out while it being an even more risky situation then people should just take off their immunity necklaces at tribal and be like well i'm gonna prove that i'm so good at this game that i don't even need immunity like no we do everything to be in a more safe position throughout the entire game she did something to be in a more safe position to make sure that her alliance stayed intact it might not have been necessary but that's not a waste that's just being smart yeah i agree Uh, as much as a viewer i would like to see a situation where an idol is played for Carson and Carson had the majority of votes to go. I get why she played it. And I think it was the right decision for her. Like why take that risk? Why? Yeah. And why she, gamble like that when you have a safety net? And she gets to also, if she does make it to the final three, she gets to prove to the jury. Not only did I convinced Jamie and Lauren to vote with my tribe when they shouldn't have, if they didn't, if they didn't, and they went against me, I had a backup plan, and I had an idol nobody knew about. Like that's a win-win. Yeah, she had yeah. a s- insurance policy essentially, and I think that is worthy. And it flushes her idol, and I'm a big proponent of flushing your idol mm-hmm. because once, like Carson found out about it, she tells. I mean, she tells Carson about it. Now that Carson has that knowledge, she's got to get rid of it. So I think as soon as somebody knows you have an idol, you got to get rid of it. Waste yep. it at tribal council. Do whatever you need. Get that get that threat level off of you. Get that target off of you. Yeah. Like there's no point. I don't think. It, I just really don't think it's worth it if somebody knows about your idol. And granted, she's the one that told him, but I think it's too risky to hang on to it and then make yourself a target, even to your closest ally. That's why I voted out Shan because she had an idol. Literally, why I did it. <laughs> if nice. she didn't have it, I would have kept her on at least one more round, like fully. Huh. Sucks. Hope she doesn't find that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really excited to talk about the next thing that happens at Tribal. You want to talk about Carolyn's little tiff with Jeff? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Please, by all oh, means. I, I just I. I love that Jeff is baffled when people are annoyed by him. Like he's like, what's going on with Lauren being annoyed that I'm talking to her while she's doing this very scary thing? Why? Why is Carolyn like, are you annoyed with me? I cannot believe that he said to her to get some sleep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Carolyn just being like, yeah, this is awkward now. I'm I'm pissed. I'm annoyed. (laughs) I love yeah. I loved that. I love her willingness to stand up to Jeff because like Jeff saying, are you mad at me? Like typically a, a, the average person's response to that would be like, no, Jeff, it's just like, yeah, I probably do need some sleep. But no, Carolyn dug her heels in and was like, yes, I am mad at you, Jeff. Like, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that for her. I think it was more uh, surprising his idea of not recognizing that someone could be mad at him when I have personally seen multiple times where the cast was mad at him. I've been mad at him and told him I was mad at him. Danny was mad at him and told him yeah. he was pissed. Well, and, and I think there's uh, something to read into the fact that it made the air because mine didn't. we've heard many stories <laughs> that people did not like gel with jeff in a particular moment or maybe spoke back to him or poked fun at him we had we had lauren poking fun at him during the challenge mocking him saying like you gotta dig deep uh Mm -hmm. there was that left in the edit and then also this was left in the edit and i think like particularly in this instance with carolyn at tribal council it signals to me that jeff really likes carolyn oh yeah because he doesn't let just anybody get away with this he didn't let me I keep saying, I keep going back to me, but I was so pissed they didn't leave in the edit what I said to Jeff. I was so annoyed. <laughs> what did you say? Um, so I was doing a challenge and he, and I won immunity and I did not know that I had won because he was on my right side, my deaf side. And he, they had to say to me multiple times I went and you kind of see in the edit, it's when I had the ball on the podium thing and I was on the balance beam. Um, and I was like, I, I won and I'm so confused that I had won. But what they left out at the edit was how he responded to me, like the tone of his voice. He's like, yeah, you want like as if I was stupid, like as if I was completely unaware of what's going on. And I was like, 
And he's like, you didn't know you won? And I was like, yeah, you're on my deaf side. I couldn't hear you. So I snapped back at him. And he's like, oh, oh. And so it's an awkward moment. And I was really hoping. I don't know why I thought that would be in the edit. But I was hoping people would see me stand up for myself and my disability thing. And they, it wasn't there. <laughs> I was really freaking annoyed. <laughs> Release the footage, you cowards. <laughs> I love Jeff, though. Once, yeah, Bring me back. Once Mark Burnett gets around to releasing the uh, Trump apprentice tapes, um, maybe he'll do that next. <laughs> okay, well, there's another iconic moment at Tribal Council that we need to talk about, and it's when Carolyn is voting. And we actually have a voicemail about this one, so I'm going to play it now. A rare voicemail on Drop Your Buffs. Kind of got away from the voicemails, but here we go. Hi, Sean and Ricard. Now, Ricard, I know we just spent the last like six hours together at work where we talked a lot of good game and you gave me some great strategizing tips, but I did have one more question for you. And since I hadn't watched this episode live and I just finished it a few minutes ago, I wanted to get your input on that tribal council. Specifically, what exactly was up with Carolyn in the voting booth? Because we see her counting on her fingers and we see her like feeling up the pages with her hands. And then they made a point to show us how everyone's noticing how long she's in there. And then even after all of that, her vote was the crossed out Lauren vote. So I just wanted to ask, and I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. Sean, I love the podcast. And Ricard, I will see you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. <laughs> what? First of all, who is this? Okay, so everyone, I'm a flight attendant. And I just worked a red-eye flight to New Orleans. Um, I actually might see hi after this. Uh, but, um, that is my coworker, Kylie, who I just met last night. She's a big Drop Your Buffs fan. She's a big Buffy. She's a Buffy, loves Survivor. Uh, she actually specifically loves this podcast because of her being a pandemic fan as well. And she loved, you know, you being the historian and then Evan being the newcomer and like, she specifically loved that Evan was also watching it at the same time as her. So uh, we worked together last night and she was so excited to talk Survivor. Um, as for being in the voting booth, I people don't spend a lot of time up there in my season at least. There was only one time that stood out that somebody took their time and I know he did it on purpose to make us think he was deciding to play his shot in the dark. Uh, it was JD in one of the first mm. votes of my season. I think it was when we voted out Brad. Um, yeah, he took way more time up there than he needed to. It stood out how long he took. And then when he came downstairs, he specifically was fidgeting with his pocket to make it seem like he did not have a shot in the dark anymore. It was such a performance he was putting on. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> went to the Karen Gradell Institute of Acting. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like it was a whole thing. But uh, I, I didn't really see a lot of people take a lot of time up there. I was nervous to take time up there. I wanted to be quick. Uh, the only time I actually even said a confessional when voting was when voting out Shan. And I tried to make it as brief as possible because um, I didn't. I don't know. I, I just felt weird being up there so long. Carolyn being up there so long. That is absolutely wild. Like, it, she, I can't imagine, especially like the time lapses of her count like that. Yeah. You're so stressed when voting. And the fact that we go in order from left to right with voting, Heidi was waiting to do her vote still. So voting not being completed and that not being the last vote that I'm sure that was a very awkward, stressful moment and a lot for Heidi to process and her tribe, the Tika three being like, what is going on? Um, the biggest thing that stood out to me was when they were, when she was feeling the paper. Did you notice this? She was feeling the paper and I thought she was trying to figure out what people had written before her on the paper. You know, like, like the like indents. tracing the pen indentations. Yes. Yes. I, that's <laughs> when she put her fingers down. I was like, oh, she's trying to figure out if they wrote Carson's name. That's what my mind defaulted to, but they're using a marker, so you and they replace the paper, so you know it's not yeah, gonna yeah. do anything. <laughs> if only she brought the crab leg finger extension. I think that has a little magic in it, mm -hmm. and she might have been able to discern. Yeah, I probably had to stay back at camp 
couldn't have an extra voter there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very interesting. Okay, before we wrap it up, I have to address a controversy from last week because I should probably take this opportunity on the podcast to announce that yes, I am white and uncultured because I have never heard of an apple empanada. Oh. <laughs> and wow, did I get dragged for that? I uh, Because I said on the podcast that I, I was like, wasn't it crazy how Jeff said apples and bananas? <laughs> but he said apples apple, apple empanada. empanadas. Yeah. Uh, so like that, I, I've done my research on apple empanadas, okay? Um, as a kid, that's what we would call like an apple turnover, mm. basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I can't help that I'm white. Uh, I can't help that I'm uncultured, and I'm and for that I truly apologize. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I'm gonna go have an apple empanada now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did we even say who got voted out? Danny got voted out. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, Danny got voted out. <laughs> Uh, and did, what do you think about Danny's Nero? Nero impression? Because <laughs> um, some folks are calling it an all-time great survivor moment. Uh, I thought it was an all-time cringe survivor moment. I was cringing. And not because of, I, I yeah, no, I, I was cringing. Only Maybe I was cringing because Jeff took so long to snuff it. I was like, <laughs> okay, Jeff, can you please not I make just, him say it for yeah. the ninth time? <laughs> I just, like, don't love, like these kinds of straight jokes like a De Niro impression is like classic like mask straight joke and it's just Mm -hmm. like it's like it's like having a poster of Scarface in your room you know what I mean my brother had that yeah Uh, and I like Danny. Like I know, like people are shitting on Danny. Like, and I know that he like kind of talked down to people, especially women and stuff like that. But I actually like I liked Danny, and uh, <laughs> I think it's mostly who he follows on social media. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I have a hot take about this, but maybe I don't need to get into it now. But I honestly like I've gotten to the point where I, I truly don't give a shit what the politics are of a Survivor player. Mm. But I'll get into that in a future episode. All I hear, that's why like, I don't care the Gabler one anymore. Here, like, I mean, you and I both hung out with Danny a lot for, yeah. I, I don't was it the premiere? It was one of the episodes. It was um, the premiere, yeah. He, I, I'm not saying anything about who he is outside of Survivor or outside of a Survivor event. I don't know him like that. Um, he was a very, very lovely person. He treated me with a lot of integrity and kindness uh his family his daughter his wife who was expecting his sister it's like, like his sister like yeah no he he has an amazing backstory his family is awesome um and i think it's tough when we play this game and the whole point of the game is to create a community with people that are nothing like you they specifically cast us all to be different they did not cast a whole bunch of gays that all have the exact same views to be besties they want to see how can you create uh, a community with these people and you bond a lot and i understand it's difficult when you then get in the real world and you have a difference in opinion but you bonded and you are friends and it's what can you do with this new knowledge of these new different types of people can you be a better person after that and he has at least shown to me he's a great person and that's what i would like to keep and stick with um yeah he's a he's a nice human so yeah i just think that like hating on somebody like danny and yeah i i I can appreciate that you don't like the way that he talked to heidi i didn't like the way he talked to heidi you can you know the comment he made about carolyn saying that she needs more than just some like uh that she needs a lot of things or something like that like it was a little like dirty but like it's like life and I just I don't think that we need to be like canceling Danny for like following a Republican meme account. Like it's just it's just so chronically online. Like I just I'm kind of fed up with all this like bullshit. But because because we're just like I'm not <laughs> I don't need to go into this. <laughs> I don't need to like partake in the culture war. That's the whole like if I start partaking in the culture war, the culture war has won. You know the other side has won when you start partaking in the culture mm-hmm. war. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I think. Anyways, that's just my take. Um, what do I know? I don't even know what an apple empanada is, so don't don't listen to me. I don't know what the CN Tower is. Apparently so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go to the CN Tower and get apple empanadas and Perfect. hang off the side uh, and 
um it'll be great okay with that wow now i'm really canceled let's <laughs> Baby, Let's wrap while. this up because <laughs> I'm going to post a, uh, a little something from the show. I don't know what, like a screenshot. Dude, Ricard, do you have an emoji that you could suggest for this episode? A crab or a lobster. Which is it? Shit. I don't I... know if there is a crab. Is there a crab? There is a crab. I like the crab. Okay, crab. We're going with the crab. Okay, post your crab emojis. Give us give us all the crabs. And that'll be great. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can of course find us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Drop Buffs Pod. You can uh, find us on Patreon where we uh, once this season ends, we are going to start the Panama rewatch. Uh, we have a lot going on uh, during the season. So uh, Panama rewatch begins when this season ends. Uh, over on patreon and of course we have merch you can check out our merch store at the link in the show notes below thank you so much for listening ricard thank you so much for joining me for an american survivor recap you're welcome hopefully i don't get in trouble (laughs) (laughs) i should hope not uh if the survivor 44 contestants aren't getting in trouble for commenting on their gameplay during the season on twitter i don't think you're gonna get in trouble i know it's they are wild this cast is wild on social media. Yeah, it has gotten I worse know. and worse. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, but we really have to go. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.